Welcome to Level Up Your Pharmacy Practice, a podcast you can tune into each week to learn about best practices, new technologies, and staffing resources to level up your pharmacy practice. My name is Jake Aldo. I'm a community pharmacist and host of this podcast. I wear a variety of hats in our profession, from content development uh, at CE Impact, our producer, to the CEO of a new startup uh, technology company focused on the quality of health of community pharmacies. Uh, we have a wonderful guest today. His name is Joe Williams. Uh, we've been uh, chatting a little bit before we, we jumped on the podcast today, and I, I'm really excited for his conversations. I, in fact, I asked Joe just a moment ago, hey, do you want to know what questions I'm asking? And he immediately said no. So this is going to be a surprise to all of us, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, Joe, please forgive me. Typically, I say, hey, with us today is Joe Williams at Blah 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 Pharmacy or something like that. But uh, I kind of think that you wear a lot of hats in, in our profession as well, don't you? That's for sure, Jake. And uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm really excited about this. And uh, so, yeah, re- regarding my uh, my hats, I am an independent pharmacy owner. I actually own three stores in North Carolina. I'm in the process of opening a closed door in another state. And I'm also the uh, principal consultant for NDRX Consultants Consulting. And, and I work with independent pharmacies and uh, technology vendors and pharmacy wholesalers across the whole country, just helping to improve uh, everyone's, uh, the, you know, everyone's workflows and their business models and how we can all work together, communicate better and and have more effective uh, businesses. That's awesome. You know, and it's kind of fun jokes as we were kind of leading up to, to this kind of conversation. At one point you, you mentioned uh, that you think that a lot of uh, pharmacy man, uh, pharmacists in their, in their stores don't, capitalize on their pharmacy management systems. They don't capitalize on the, the technology of what they use. And I think you quoted me uh, 90%. Uh, most people don't use up to 90% of their system. Uh, and again, that was probably us just joking around. But but tell me, as you're, you're mentioning indie consulting and you use that as a way to help other pharmacists, how has that helped you transform your practice? So yeah, that one of the best things about what I do, and I, and I don't really know that I'm exaggerating when I say that most of them are only using 10% of their pharmacy management systems. I mean, I, I help a variety of clients and they're at all different levels of experience and 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 know-how regarding technology. And, and I, I go into some stores and they're using post-it notes and stickers and, you know, plastic clips to, to set these things up in their workflow when all of that could be done within their existing PMS system. So I, I don't know that I'm truly exaggerating when I say that 90% is left, is left unused, you know, and, and so when, when we're diving into a store and we're trying to help them to, you know, improve workflow and figure out better ways of doing things, Nine times out of 10, it's just saying, okay, here's the tools that you already have right here in front of you. This is this is how you need to use this, and this is how you need to use that. And, and you'll see the light bulbs start going off above their heads when they recognize the fact that they've been doing it all wrong for so long. And, and all of a sudden, you've got this new supercharged pharmacist or supercharged operator that is reinvigorated, and they're going to start re, you know redesigning their entire workflow. So, I mean, I, I truly do believe that most only using a small, small portion of it. Well, I, you know, I, it cracks me up because 
I'm a, I'm a bit of a, a data wonk myself. I love data, and that's part of what our new company does is, is examining the data out of pharmacies to determine quality. And it is fascinating as I've been diving into it and working with pharmacy management systems to say, I need you to report patient weight. Like, I need you to report this child's weight so I can make sure that the antibiotic is dosed right. And, and it's like deer in headlights. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. Yet that's the very function of what we do is to make sure that the dose is correct as we're dispensing it. Why would we not have that salient information? And so as you're, as you're thinking about this practice transformation that you're advocating from the, the maximization of the systems and the technology in our pharmacies, you know, what does the community pharmacy of the future look like to you? So I see it more, you know, you hear the term collaborative practice agreements all the time where, you know, pharmacists are trying to establish themselves with a practicing physician so that they can have, you know, standing orders or do these special things. I feel like we already have collaborative practice agreements with every prescriber that that writes prescriptions and sends them to our pharmacy. If that if that physician is going to send us that prescription, that means that they have the confidence in us to fulfill their orders you know, appropriately and correctly and, and to the best, you know, to the best of our ability and for the best of the safety of the patient. So I feel like we already have these collaborative agreements. I feel like it's just this unspoken rule that we're together on this. Now, and at the same time, I think that that physician needs to understand that I'm not just a vending machine of medications. So the, the two-way communication where I'm going back to the physician and I'm having these kinds of discussions, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned, you know, weight-based antibiotics. That's a, that's a fantastic example. Most PMS systems now in our eScript data, we already have that information. Unfortunately, not a lot of pharmacists know that it's there or the PMS is not making it easily accessible or they're not taking the time to dig down and find it. I have never called a physician and said, hey, I think you misdosed this antibiotic and they get upset with me. Every time I've ever done that or every time I've ever contacted them about a, you know, maybe it's an insulin dosing that I just don't think sounds right and something's not, you know, correct about it. I've never had one of them call me and say, how dare you? You know, they're always like, oh, my God, thank you so much. I'm really appreciative of what you've done here. This is why we like you and we don't like pharmacy X, Y, Z. You know, you're, you guys are paying attention. You're working with us. The, the pharmacy of the future, I think, is going to be this two-way or three-way um, mode of communication between us and the patient where there's this continuum of care. There's this continuum of what's going on. There's going to be constant status updates where, you know, blood pressure is this. I don't think someone needs to schedule a physician's a physician visit to have their blood pressure checked when I'm a block down the road from them and are already coming into my pharmacy five and six times a month. So why not let them just walk into my pharmacy? We grab a blood pressure, heart rate check, you know, send that back to physician through some sort of a technological technology platform, making it easier for that physician to gather gather that data. That that information is is valuable to the physician. It's valuable to me. And it's going to be valuable to payers as well, because now they can better manage those patients because we're providing a more regular round-the-clock sort of oversight of those patients. I, I almost want to just have you repeat all of that, but I guess since this is technology, we can always uh, copy and paste and redo that audio a second time so that people can really appreciate what you what you just said there. You know, this is the first time I've ever heard anyone um, express collaborative practices, what we already do, and you hit the nail on the head. That's actually really insightful, and I love it, and I think that uh, more pharmacists should lean into that concept and think about it. 
Yeah, no. So, so kudos to you. To on, I don't think it needs to be on paper and uh, you know signed affidavit by both of us that we are going to work together. We already are working together. You just have to solidify that relationship on the other end and make sure that they understand that you provide value and you want to be a part of better outcomes for their patients. That I, I just think it's as simple as that. That and uh, we're not a vending machine. I, I also appreciated that that call out. <laughs> so, you know, to that point, there, there's even like kiosks up in Detroit now that are literally vending machines of drugs. And and we also have some of our technology companies uh, that are, are mailing out six months of medication. So we have this like bifurcation that's occurring in our profession where we have the commoditization of, excuse me, of our of our drugs. Like that's been our backbone for years. Right. And now all of a sudden, you can get it from a kiosk. You can get it from mail order. Um, and and in some states, we have pharmacy technicians which are dispensing, which is wonderful. Like let's elevate their practice to elevate our practice. You know, and as we do that, that is shifting the role of the the pharmacist. And I was talking to one of our colleagues recently, and she was saying that it doesn't matter how the patient gets the drugs, as we see it's happening everywhere, but it matters what happens when they get it. And I feel like you are are focused on that without maybe explicitly saying that. So I feel like I'm putting words in your mouth. Uh, but but what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think that the the role of the pharmacist is evolving so that we focus on the optimization and how we provide care, not how they get the drug? Exactly. No, I, I feel like we've made a mistake as a profession for strictly tying ourselves to the products that we dispense for so many, so many years. I mean, we, we set ourselves back by just tying it to the product. That's the reason that the general public considers your drive through no different than the drive through at the fa- local fast food restaurant that they go to. They're just supposed to order it, pull up, pick it up and leave. Um, th- there's from the public perception, the knowledge that we have and our willingness to go above and beyond simple dispensing has really been overlooked. And, and in my opinion, it's because we have not always done the best job of telling our own story. So, and, and so since we've just, we've been so tied to the product, it did create the opportunity for, you know, large pharmacy benefit managers to create mail order facilities, chain pharmacies are doing mail order facilities. You've got kiosks in multiple states now. Um, they were recently advocating it in, in even my own state here in North Carolina at one point. You know, technology can dispense faster and more accurately than a human being can if everything else being perfectly correct. OK, so first off, the world is not perfect. So I don't care how good the software and the hardware is of a machine. If the input is bad, the output will be bad. And that's where a human being can catch things and find things and fix things. Right. And and two, the 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 empathy and and the the relations the relationships and the other things that come along with being a pharmacist being able to look into the gray of the situation and bring it bring out the black and the white so that you can explain that to the patient or that you can even go back to their physician and say hey i know you were looking at this but i noticed this in our discussion or this conversation took place so those things do not happen 
when there's a kiosk involved or when or when there's a mail order facility that's churning out, you know, 10,000 prescriptions a day. It's just it's not designed to do that. Uh, the, the, the things that you find out when a patient is standing at the counter or when you're when you're standing at their front door delivering the medication and you're you know going through questions or because we, we use our delivery drivers like rural health workers. And, you know, they're asking a series of questions to try to find out if there's some sort of a red flag moment that needs to be addressed. The thing about all this increased technology, which I love, and I do want to have it as involved in my business models as possible to make me more efficient at dealing with my patients, I don't think that that technology can ever replace us. I think it can only only free us up to concentrate on direct patient care to improve the outcomes for those patients. And when we start doing that, that's where our value will come from because the machine will be responsible for moving the product from the physician order to the patient. And then the pharmacist will be responsible for going above and beyond in every occasion now, because you'll have the opportunity and time to do it, to explain the medication, to explain the lifestyle modifications that should go along with it, to explain how you should adjust ADLs, all these other things to make sure that that they have the best possible outcome. Heck, we might as well just say that's not even going above and beyond. That should be the new normal. That should that's be the standard, standard right? because that's what we should do. Exactly. You know, and it's it's interesting because you know I know that when I dispense, a lot of times I'm focused on is the prescription right? Did I put the right pill in the right bottle? Which is vastly important. But then to think about what does this mean in the context of pharmacotherapy is a different mindset. And I think that's part of the difficulty of trying to find that balance of dispensing. We do need to separate the product and the cognition because they're two different mindsets. You know, when you're dispensing that single drug, you're not looking at the entire patient profile because you got one drug in front of you. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's so crazy to me when we think about the actual financial ramifications of this. We talk about the Asheville Project as if it's the second coming of the profession, and data came out of that from 1997. So if we take the, the, the minimum threshold of the annual member savings of $1,200, we, we account for inflation. That's $2,000 a year that we can have for, for an employer per member for being involved with a pharmacist doing these types of services. And if we look at the federal government with their 2.1 million civilian employees, we're talking about over $4 billion a year saved if we just go through this medication optimization through the pharmacist. That's a fact. And it's just, it's crazy. And so what I also want to kind of tease out really quick is that you did talk about the positive aspects of technology. And I think that's a hundred percent true. You know, we've been a little, uh, a little hot here on technology and influencing our profession, but I think it's a good thing because it's helping us evolve and, and transform our practice. So Tell me about the technology that you use at, at your stores and how has that helped you uh, optimize the dispensing of the product so you can do other things? So, so great question. Great question. And I think, you know, don't don't get me wrong. I love technology. I'm like the biggest advocate in the world for technology. As long as it's used, you know, it's paired with the pharmacist and paired with the pharmacy staff, our technicians and, 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 and executing to the highest level possible. Um, here with our store, the two biggest pieces of the puzzle within our pharmacy is our PMS, our pharmacy optimal management system, which is Pioneer RX. And then we have the RX Safe Rapid Pack. Uh, the, uh, the Rapid Pack has really become one of the premier cornerstones of our business because before that, we were manually packing 
uh, blister cards for 300 patients. And we had gotten to the point where I was working way more than I should be working. I work too much anyway, but I would stay until eight and nine o'clock at night checking blisters. You know, because you, when you're doing blisters, you're you're checking every single tablet and castle by hand. We were using tweezers to go through these things. It was crazy. I'd come into Sunday and there would just be stacks of them on the counters and I would just sit there for hours and go through them on Sunday. And we knew that we couldn't keep that up anymore. And, you know, we had a lot of fears. Number number one, we were no longer scalable. We, we could not continue to grow in the program because we just couldn't keep up with it. Two, when you're digging around in, in blister, pouch, blister packets with tweezers, you're increasing the likelihood that you're going to make a mistake. You're going to drop a pill into the wrong slot. We were just we were starting to get weary and afraid because we were having to do this so much. So so we, we started looking for the necessary technology to help us to continue to grow and scale the program. And we found the rapid pack and the, it really, really fit our business model. Uh, number one, I am super, super tight on inventory in all of my stores. I mean, I pride myself in the number of turns that I get each year. Uh, we carry very little inventory in the store and I did not want a system that I had to fill up, you know, many, many sales with very expensive medications. We love the rapid pack because we could only we only had to put in the medications that were needed for the jobs that we were currently working on. So I didn't need to have a 30 day or 40 day supply or, or even a 10 day supply of medications. I could still continue to operate in my one to two day supply model that I'm I using all my stores. The next thing and probably the biggest thing was the the, the inspection station that comes with the um, rapid pack. You know, again, I told you we'd spend hours on at night and on Sundays checking all of these individual um, blisters. And now I'm standing in front of this big screen TV in the back of my pharmacy. I'm looking at multiple images front, back of the pouches. I'm, I got an IR image. It's counting the tablets for me. It's already used its software to determine if it thinks those are the correct pills or not. Now we still verify, and I've and I've been I was real clear about that when we were training. You know, they said the system's going to do this, and I said I think your system is great. I love your system. I said, but I'm not going to take the pharmacist out of this. The pharmacist is still going to be the one to verify all these pouches, but their system makes it so easy for us to do that. I mean, basically by clicking the arrow to the right, I'm flipping a whole nother card as if I would have been doing it years ago. And what would take me, I had patients that would take 45 minutes to verify their pout, their, uh, their blisters. I can do that same patient now in five minutes. And, and I, the way that I'm doing it now is more accurate than what I was doing before, because then I was taking all these pills out out with, with tweezers and risk dropping them back in the wrong slots. With the rapid pack, everything is sealed. It's up on the big screen. I'm good to go. And it's going to save all of those images in an archive. So, you know, a month from now, six months from now, whenever, if there's ever any question about what was in a pouch or what it was, I can pull that image up and I can say, well, here, I'll just show you. Here it is right here. So the accountability of it all, the ease of verification, the, the streamlined process of actually creating the packages, it has saved us so much time that we're, we're, we're back now to where we were years before when we had to stop taking referrals where we're enrolling six to eight people a week into this program. And even during COVID, we went through a lull, but just because people weren't comfortable necessarily with a lot of uh, in-home enrollments and things that were like we, the way that we handled them. But since uh, things have kind of more or less returned back to normal and we'll see what that looks like going forward, it has just been 
it's just been like this overwhelming demand for our program with all of these patients wanting to be in the program, all of these providers wanting to refer specific patients into us. There, If there was ever a great time to have a machine like the Rapid Pack, it's right now because this reemergence of healthcare after we went through last year in 2020, people are looking for, for new ways and better ways of managing themselves and, and physicians are looking for better ways to manage their patients. I love it. You know, uh, my major takeaways from listening to you right there is uh, the quote, remove the tweezers, get a rabbit pack. Uh, (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Because I remember being hunched over the counter and doing that with packs in the back office of a closed door uh, with all of our packs. And I remember once sitting on the on the stool to do it. And I was kindly informed that uh, the store, the stool wasn't there for me to sit, that I needed to stand and, and verify those, those packs. So that, that old uh, hearing you sitting, right? sitting in front of the, <laughs> the, the, the widescreen HD uh, TV sounds a little nice to me. I hope oh, you yeah. have a lazy boy as you're doing that because that's the only way, right? Well, I mean, um, if you think about it, the way that their technology is set up, and I'm not advocating for this, but you technically could do that. I mean, you could have a you could have a TV in a back office because the packaging does not have to be with the inspection station unless there is an anomaly and you want to go physically inspect it. You could sit in an office chair in your, you know, just leaning back and just go through each one of those um, inspection screens and check everything. And it, it can be that easy. And honestly, there's been times we've had to do that with here in the pharmacy when things are just incredibly busy. Our walk-in traffic was insane. We're doing COVID shots. You know, I don't have to have four feet of counter space now to inspect the card. I can just sit back and look at that TV and click through it and other pharmacists or technicians can run around and handle everything else. There was a time when we were packing cards. We were having to use the floor because we didn't have enough counter space. They were, they were, the girls were on their knees packing cards on the floor and the rapid pack took all of that away. And, and, and what's crazy about it, when you really think about like med safety, we talk about the distractions and getting distracted, like every distraction increases the risk of an error by like 12% or some, some That's crazy right. number like that. And so by just, by putting the, the, the verification process literally in a different room, in a nice chair without distractions, it's continuing to make the environment safer for patients. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and two, you don't have the wear and the tear like, you know, you're referring to, I mean, we do have the, the super thick um, fatigue mats in the pharmacy, but the, the old school model that you had to stand on a concrete floor in your uh, hard soled shoes with your you know tie cinched up to your neck, those days are gone. You know, I mean, let's, let's be smart about this people. Let's be here for the long haul and use technology to our benefit. Right. Uh, so, Joe, I have one last question that I like to, to wrap up with, and I really do appreciate all of your insights and time with us today. You know, in, in pharmacy practice, we often like to say, I'm a five-star pharmacy. And then uh, when somebody says, well, what does that mean? We go, because I'm, I'm great. Uh, so I, I like to ask anybody, you know, how do you define five-star pharmacy? Well, that's a, that's a great question. So, and I do consider, I do consider my, my pharmacies five-star pharmacies. I, uh, a lot of it has to do with my team, the fact that they are willing to go above and beyond and do what, you know, maybe some of our big box competition, mail order competition, those things they're unable or unwilling to do. Uh, I, I joke and tell people that the front of our pharmacy is like Mayberry 
And then the back of our pharmacy is kind of like Star Wars. So you, you know, you go in and it's this hometown feel. We already know who you are. Your bag is sitting on the counter before you even get to it. We're asking you how your mother is. Right now, I've got nine cases of um, peaches that are out there. And everybody that's walking into our pharmacy is leaving with a bag of peaches to take back home with their family. The cobblers have already started coming in. To be honest, that's one of the biggest reasons I do it. The ladies bake me cobblers. But, you know, the five-star pharmacy to me is the pharmacy that is embedded in their community. And it doesn't have to be a local community. It can be a large area. It can, you know, if you have a delivery model or if you're, you know, you know across multiple states, that can be your area where they know that you're going to do whatever is possible to help them. And, and they would can call you before they call their physician, before they call 911. They know that they can go in there and, and get a hug if they need it. They know if they can, they can get some of the best medical information in the world if they need it. And if they just need to have a conversation, they know that they can get that too. That That's what five-star pharmacy is to me. I love it. You know, I got a friend uh, over there in, in Louisiana, Nielsen Pharmacy, and they planted blueberry bushes around their drive throughs so people can uh, eat blueberries as oh, they're driving to, uh, to pick up their drugs. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's great. I got some I got some space in the back of the story. I've been trying to figure out what to do with it. You may have just helped me with that. They also actually have a community uh, garden and they I plant love. vegetables for the community. That is great. Now, see, that's a that's a five star pharmacy mentality right there. You know, they're connected with that community and 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 they're already in the habit of giving back. You know, I, yep. pharmacy is not as destitute as, as some people would make it out to be. I mean, there is still so much good to be had and, and there is still a very, very strong platform for independent pharmacy right now. Uh, if as long as you're willing to adapt and understand how things are changing and, and change your business model and evolve, you're going to be here for a long, long time. I love it. And I love your definition of a five-star pharmacy. going to add that into our measurement system. Do you got the peaches on the counter to get the cobbler back? And that's how we know it's a, a good quality <laughs> that's, pharmacy. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So Joe, thank you again for, for joining us. We're excited for you to, here in this conversation for all of our listeners to listen into these conversations. Uh, we know that the future of pharmacy is now. And so we like to always ask, are you a pharmacist of the future? So thanks, Joe. Thank you.